0: You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.mbcocala.com. We are going to um, finish up this morning a series entitled Main Things. Everybody say Main Things. And we are unpacking the Meadowbrook mandate, which is free and available to all of you. We just want to get it into your hearts and into your mind and, and just what are we about. So those are available out at guest services, completely free to you. And then um, Easter is coming up in a couple of weeks. But the next two weeks, so uh, next Sunday and the following Sunday, I'm going to do a two-part message entitled The Good Thing About Bad Things. The Good Thing About Bad Things. How many of you know about bad things? What you might not know is the good thing about the bad things. And uh, this is such a faith energizer. You will definitely want to be here these next two weeks. The good thing about the bad things. And uh, we'll do that. But this morning we're going to... um, I really had to get you to focus this morning on the fact that you are blessed and that God is so good to you. uh, In light of what I'm going to be sharing this morning. Now if you'll remember from the Meadowbrook mandate, four things. First of all, the Lord, high and lifted up. Secondly is the church, and the church is to grow and be discipled and mature and become the church that God wants us to be. Thirdly is the world, and we are to take Christ into culture. We are to be salt and light and... Good, good. And sugar. You're to be sweet. Oh, come on. You know, it's it's a contradiction of terms to be this angry, mean, complaining, bitter, demanding Christian. Christian, it it, it doesn't even go together because you don't see that in Christ ever. And to be a Christian, you know, a little Christ, so to speak, we're to have that. So we've got the Lord, the church, the world, and then here this morning we're going to talk about the poor, local and global. And, And for us to have the right platform to begin to speak about that, you've got to realize God's been good to you and that you are blessed. I know you have challenges. I know you have situations. But we'll see as we go along this morning. You're blessed. God's been good to you. Now, in the book of Galatians, we read about the apostle Paul. That Paul's ministry was unique. And Paul was... uh, They were a little skeptical of Paul to start with. Because prior to starting his ministry, he was destroying ministry. And destroying the work of God. And now as brother Paul... Brother Saul became Paul, um, doing powerful work, and, and the focus of his ministry was also taking the gospel to the Gentiles. And they weren't real sure about all that, so he goes and meets with the council of uh, the, you know, of this baby burgeoning movement that's taken over the world, and is going to do even more in the years to come. Uh, And he went and met with the the council at Jerusalem and presented his ministry and they received him and they heard what he was doing, his results, and they extended to him the right hand of fellowship, which was a, a stamp of endorsement. And they said, you know, glory to God for all that you're doing. They said, but in all that you're doing, do not forget the poor. Do not forget the poor. And we can get so busy about so many things in ministry, in church world. And we've got to make sure that we do not forget the poor. Because this is very important to the heart of God. And if you're going to live and walk in the fear of God. Then what is important to God is important to. I'm pointing. Come on. I was giving you a clue. It's important to God. It's got to be important to us as well. Amen. So you have the poor, you have the poor local and you have the poor, the poor global. And this is not just referring to the poor in spirit. This has to do with their quality of life, their standard of living. And it is something that you say, well, that's not very spiritual. You know, don't even tell me how spiritual you are if you don't have concern for those that have needs. In the book of James, it says pure and undefiled religion, pure and undefiled, real deal religion before the father is this, is that you take care of widows and orphans in their distress. And see, this is not just widows and orphans. You have to look into those words and it's those without comfort and those without resources. And we've got all kinds of new social epidemics, you know, beyond just widows and orphans and in our day and in our culture pure and undefiled religion before the father is this is that we not only care but we help to alleviate the suffering of other people come on this is a mature message this is a this is a message and i'm, I'm counting that we're ready for this all right and l- let's look at a number of things here concerning this the issue of the poor and poverty is a very complex issue in our world and in our day We see it all over the news and we seem to be unable to conquer this problem. Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. So I don't know that this side of heaven, this will ever truly be conquered. There's numerous reasons for that. And it's so complex, just as the reasons are that people are poor or continue to be poor. And here's some of the reasons. Choices. Corruption. I read some studies uh, the other day and reviewed some uh, yesterday as well. Let me ask you the question. Do you think there is enough food on this planet for all of the population? Do you think there's enough food? Totally is. There totally is enough food. The problem has to do with corruption. The problem has to do with distribution not happening to some because of the control and the greed and the corruption and the ignorance of some economic systems and political systems and and just some people that have a special place reserved for them it all, these these are also problems because of injustice and because of ignorance and because of spiritual issues and social issues and political issues economic issues that we have this huge very complex problem of poor And poverty in the world today. And the Bible has much to say about this. And this is near to the heart of God. And let me just say this to you, okay? Because this is where you hop on board the bus here. It is very important. It is very important how you and I respond to the poor. It is very important. And at the very least, the very minimal thing. You ready for this? The very minimal is very important how you respond to the poor. At the very least, this is what needs to happen. It needs to bother you. It needs to be that in your heart of hearts, this is not okay. This is not right. This is not okay with me. Whether or not you can actually do anything about it, you should never get good with it. And you and I are never excused from this problem of the poor in the earth, local and global. If you're with me, if you hear me, just say amen, grunt, do something. It should bother you. In Proverbs 21, verse 13, it says, whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself, not might, will also cry himself and not be heard. When you choose to disregard and to ignore the cry of the poor, those that are helpless, those that, those that are in a situation where their quality of life is not good on a local level, on a, on a global level. If you shut your ears, if you disregard that, so that then one day you will, you will also be in need and you'll cry and you'll be disregarded and be ignored i believe the inverse is also true that if we're careful to open our ears and to do what we can then if and when the time came that we would be in need god would make sure that the need was met in your life as well he who has pity on the poor lends to the lord and he the lord will repay And so God is involved. He's very close to the whole situation of those that would be poor or in poverty. And it's important for us. It's important that we not disregard. Sometimes it's easier because it makes us uncomfortable. Sometimes we see other people in need, we we immediately get possessive. We want to protect our own. It makes us uncomfortable. And so it's just kind of easier to insulate ourselves and to disregard and to ignore. And you listen to me. The scripture is very, very clear. Do not do that. And it's personally tied to your future. That you are careful how we respond to the poor, both local and global. Let me give you some statistics. And these statistics are a couple of years old. Um, I have them published here in the Meadowbrook Mandate. These are from the end of 2007, these statistics. And since then, we've had a global recession. And so I doubt these numbers are any better. Okay. Y'all with me? Bob your head. Okay, good. We are facing some sobering realities in our world. The world's population is roughly 6.6 billion since this publication is pressing on seven. Pressing on 7 billion people in the world. Of those, 3 billion people live in absolute poverty. 500 million people are on the edge of starvation. How many of you ever thought you were starving? You worked in the yard and you did this and you came to the house. I am starving. I am a half hour late for lunch. I am. Come on. We have no idea. 500 million people are on the edge of starvation. 200, and this, this bothers me. 200 million children are exploited as laborers seven days a week. Half the world's population lives on the equivalent of $2 a day. 3.2 billion people around the world are functionally illiterate. There are billions of people suffering and dying from diseases from which there are already cures. That should bother you. When we talk about 500 million people on the edge of starvation, we're not talking about people who are merely hungry. These are people who are dying for lack of proper food and nutrition. The word billions is mind boggling. So to make it easier to understand the percentages, let's take the whole world's population, 6.6 billion, and reduce that number down to 100 people. So you following how that works? Okay, we're going to take the whole 6.6 and the percentages and ratios that apply to that we're bringing down to, as if it were 100 people. Dude, I sound like a math teacher. <laughs> when we look at the facts about our world today, out of those 100 people, 70 are unsaved. I heard the other day that in Japan, and we're praying for Japan, but about 98% of their population are not Christians. About 98% of their population, not Christians. So in the hundred, if the whole world's population was a hundred people, 70 are unsaved, 30 are white, 51 are women. 80 live in substandard housing. 50 are malnourished. Over 50 of those 100 cannot read. Out of that one hundred, eight have a car. 6 own half the wealth of the world and live in the United States. And 1 is dying right now as you read this and need not die. This isn't meant to make you feel guilty for the blessings in your life. What God has provided, he has freely given for you to enjoy. But we must always keep in mind what Jesus said in Luke twelve forty eight: To whom much is given, much is. much is required. I'm not saying that you must strip out of your life and not enjoy anything because people are suffering. We are to enjoy the blessings that come from following God. But at the same time, we have a responsibility that comes with those blessings. When there are 500 million people on the edge of starvation, there are clearly things we need to do. I'll say it again, to whom much is given, much is required. And it's part of our mandate as a church that we pay attention to this issue. So when you think about 3 billion people living in poverty, the question that comes to mind is, can we fix this? Can I fix this? And honestly, the answer is no. You and I cannot fix this. There's so many things that are in play that we can't fix it. But it should still bother us. As I said, you should never be okay with this. And you should always look and see, I need to do what I can do. Even though we may not be able to fix the whole thing, you and I need to do what we can do. And there will always be something that you can do. Y'all are trying to hide out on me, but I see you. There is always something that we can do. There is always something within your reach and with your, within your ability that you can do. You can give. You can go. You can do. You can pray. You can help. You can even think. Some of you are thinkers. I respect thinkers that will be willing to just sit and think about something. There's got to be another way to do this. There's, there's got to be something that can be done. You can think and you can pray, but there's always something that we can do. And let me give you our bottom line. We will never be excused from this problem. We're never excused from this being an issue. There's always something that we're to do. And at the very least, it should trouble us. And here's where it should trouble us. Let's look at two issues here this morning. It should trouble us in our heart. Everybody say my heart. It should trouble us in our heart. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. says, but whoever has this world's goods. And let me go ahead and tell you all folks. I, whenever I call for an amen, it's not for me, it's for you. It's for you to... Dig down and, and drive in a, a peg and say, yeah, I'm with you that far. And yes, that's the way I want it to be in my life, in my world. And so it's for you. And, and I honestly didn't expect a whole lot of cheers and amens and stuff this morning because of the nature of this message. But I need you to lock on because this is what God wants in our hearts. You get this issue settled in your heart. It's going to be amazing what God will do in your life. And so make sure you're locked on with this. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. But whoever has this world's goods... And sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? When modern paraphrase says, and how can the love of God continue in him? I think you spring a leak when you shut up your heart to the needs of people that are around you. And get this, get this. Even if you can't do something now, you need to keep your heart engaged with this. It needs to be from the inside that you have a desire and a willingness to help. There should always be something on the inside of you that I want to help. I wish I could do something. And that comes from the heart and you've got to keep your heart engaged with it. There needs to be a deep and emotional concern and sympathy concerning these things. Even if you can't do something now. And let me say this. God starts with the heart. On everything, God starts with the heart. He starts with the heart. And if you'll keep your heart engaged, I believe this. I believe the time will come if you keep that heart right. Because God knows who he can trust. Even if you can't do anything now, but you keep your heart engaged. I believe the time is coming that God will work what he's working in your heart. He'll put in your hands so that you're able to do something. Let's talk about the heart just for a, so, uh, for a second here. 1 Corinthians thirteen three, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. And though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. In 2 Corinthians eight twelve in the Message Bible, it says, once the commitment is clear, you do what you can do, not what you can't. And get this next line. The heart regulates the hand. Say that. The heart regulates the hand. Because we just saw there, you do what you can do, not what you can't do. Well, how do you determine that? With a heart right before God, the heart will regulate what the hand should do. And then in Matthew six twenty-one, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Get that order right. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. About three weeks ago, I heard a, a, a well-known newscaster on a national network reverse the verse and say, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. And I'll say, come on, guy, read the book but it's where your treasure is so you know what happens that is such a powerful thing that you can actually direct your heart by your treasure how many of you know that if you bought a a a big old boat and got all the stuff to go with it how many of you know your your heart's on that boat i mean you're in the house and it starts to rain and blow and you know what my boat come on y'all with me or you got a lot of money in the market, stocks and bonds and everything. And, and uh, I used to use this illustration pre-internet. Uh, you'll go out in your jammies for all the neighbors to see to get your newspaper to check the stocks, wouldn't you? Now we can just, you know, you can just check in, in other ways. But I'm telling you what, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And you can actually direct your heart by how you direct your treasure. And if we're wanting our heart to be on something that's important to God, we need to also make sure that that is directed toward the poor. So I believe that if we keep our heart engaged, God will then work through our hands. Everybody say my hands, not just intentions. This means actions. This is doing Remember in the book of Isaiah, he said, if you'll be both willing and obedient, willing and obedient, it's not just good intentions. It's not just having the heart, but also the do. And if the heart is right, God will put in your hands. And if the heart is right, you'll use your hands in the right way to help meet needs that are around you. In Matthew 5 verse 16, it says, let your light, we looked at this last week, let your light say my light. That your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. So how you let your light shine is through your good works. They may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Now, let me talk about this for a moment. Because we're Christians, we don't just do good works and good deeds. Let, Let me square this up for you. We are not righteous because we do right things. We do right things because we are righteous. So the good works is a fruit. It's an outflow of a life that is, that is centered up in God. And when we do good works, and, and I'll direct you toward this in a moment, that's how we let our light shine. And that's how others are going to see God in us. It, and notice it's good works. In Acts 10, 38, it says how Jesus went about doing good. He went about doing good. Then we see in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary while what? Come on stay locked in here. Let us not grow weary while doing what? Doing good for in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us what? Let us do good to all. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. And I love this next passage here. Romans 15, 1 through three in the message. Listen to it. Those of us who are strong and able in faith, what is speaking about by principle here is those that have. So you have something. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Get this next verse. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us asking ourselves, help me on this, how can I help? Say it again, how can I help? It says that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but waited right in and helped out. And the thing is, how can I help? Years ago, Alicia and I were newlyweds. I don't know if we had Lee born yet or not. We're in a uh, food lion grocery store in North Carolina and picking up groceries. And we didn't have a lot at all. And uh, yeah, Lee would have been born. And we saw a little mommy with a little baby. And you could just, you, you just could tell by their clothing and by their cleanliness and, and so forth that there was struggle. And I literally could see, and, and I feel like the Holy Spirit just kind of prompted to us, just kind of prompted us that she was having a hard time deciding between diapers and something else that she needed. And you know what? It went off on the inside of me and said, That's not right. That's just not right. And although we didn't have much, we had enough to make a difference in that. Started to want to walk away. And you want a long night, a torturous night? You disobey one of those encounters with the Holy Spirit, where He's put something in your heart and in your hands, and you're in proximity and you'll walk away. Good luck for you. And we talked and conferred a little bit. And I don't remember all the details because it was last century, but I do remember it went in my heart. This is not right. And we could do something. And so just went over and said, just wanted to give this to you. God bless you. And we just gave her the money that would have made difference. And you know what? And it wasn't, it wasn't that much. But it would make the difference. So that she didn't have to decide. If we can somehow alleviate the, the misfortune. And the suffering of others. In small degrees and in big degrees. We can't do it all. But we got to do some. And we have to do something from our heart. And we have to extend our hands. And I'm going to say it. And I'm going to say it. And I'm going to say it this morning. If you'll get your heart right. And if you keep your heart engaged. God will put something in your hands. To enable you to do it. Now, since this is such a huge problem, world poverty, world hunger. And, let, and let, me just, let me just say this real quick. I read a study recently that suggested that if the body of Christ globally, all Christians globally would just tithe, all churches could run full speed ahead doing entirely what they're doing right now and solve world poverty. The money is within the hands of the body of Christ. We got to look at our hearts. That's a whole nother message. You can think about that one later. Since this is such a huge problem, it's bigger than you and I. Here's what we do. Then you and I need to become a part of something bigger than you and I. And that's where there's strength in numbers. That's where there's strength in organizations. Everybody say organizations. Organizations the church and there are other organizations as well that you are give that you give to and that you serve plus let me say this it's not always safe to do something by yourselves and ladies i seem to see this that ladies tend to be more generous and more willing uh more prone to want to help a need that they see and in uh, the dynamics of our culture today ladies listen to me you be smart and be safe be smart and be safe. Don't set yourself up, your children up or anything else trying to, you know, go feed, go help or whatever. You need to be safe and not, not let your compassion override your wisdom. But the thing is organizations can do what no individual could do. Some, more, some individuals are more resourced than the rest of us. And that's why if you're watching today, Bill Gates, Oprah, Warren Buffett, NFL players, NBA players, To whom much is given, much is required. Amen. But all of us together, all of us together doing something. And that's what an organization is about. You know, some of the things that we help out with in believe in. Compassionate Alliance. Samaritan's Purse. Franklin Graham's organization. They're on the ground right now in Japan. I read a report this week that two of the little villages that they're helping, their leaders have come forth with this, this kind of statement. We are alive and staying alive because of these Christians. And so not only extending the hand, but showing the heart. Salvation Army, a wonderful organization. Homebound Heroes. Where's Lenny? Lenny, wave at me. One of our own guys, Homebound Heroes. That's something you can do local to, to go and reach, reach out and, and help with a need. And Lenny's got a good thing going on there. Habitat for Humanity. And then I've got a list I want to show you. Not only do we ask you to give, we believe in the principles of giving. I'm a giver. My family's a giver. But this church is a giving church. And since the inception of this church, we've given away at least 10% of what comes in. And I want to show you that it goes to missions and it goes also to to organizations that are going to help those in need. I've got a partial list here. I just want to go through this real quick. Association of Faith Churches and Ministers. For for over 21 years, we helped them. They have missionaries j- just about on every Every uh, continent, every country, all over the place, helping in so many ways. Barry Mitchell Ministries, they're in Estonia, doing a wonderful job in Estonia. Former Soviet nation, starting to get some traction as an economy now. Uh, Compassion Alliance, I mentioned them. Go to the nations, they're in Latvia. Hands of mercy everywhere. Um they're everywhere. Harvest House, Haiti. Judy Foster, one of our own missionaries, down in Haiti, and you know the situation in Haiti. Kimberly's Cottage, local, an incredible organization. I'm proud that, that we help out and do what they do, especially in regards to children and abused children. Um where am I? Mercy Ministries. Incredible ministry. I believe in them. Nancy Alcorn will be with us in November, not only for services, but also for uh, Heart of a Woman. They're doing an incredible job salvaging incredible young women from, from life-controlling issues. Uh, Robert Dunfee Ministries in Burkina Faso, West Africa. The Salvation Army, I mentioned them. The Jesus Way, uh, India. And Matthew and, and Angel, are y'all here? Matthew and Angel, they're, they're stateside. And I thought they were here. Matthew and Angel. I don't see them. We've been helping them out for a long time. They have an orphanage and schools over in India doing an incredible job. Trash Mountain Project in Honduras. Uh, Vision for Christ. Ron White, part of our church. He's, he's an optician. He goes into the poorest places. West Africa, Honduras, Haiti, uh, Mexico, all over places. And takes boxes and boxes of glasses and, and, and little things so he can help people to see. And there are people walking around. They hardly have clothes. And they've got some cool glasses, though, you know. <laughs> And they're just thankful to be able to see. <laughs> Women's, Women's Pregnancy Center, actually that is off 14 years the entire history of the church we've helped them to help to counsel young women so that they do not abort those precious babies and then world vision you're familiar with world vision and we believe this that that we can do, they can do some things that we are not equipped to do that they're called to do that they're anointed to do and so part of your giving goes into doing that also if you'll remember we did a water project about a year and a half ago Guza, uganda And uh, that water project is completely up and going. We've got a few pictures for you. It's a a little village of about 1800 people, now pushing about 2000. (laughs) Listen to me, they had to walk about a mile to a polluted pond as their water source. And now because of your giving, we've been able to put this unit in through Water Missions International. They have fresh, free flowing, plenty of water for about 2000 people every, every day. Uh, their health is improving. They don't have to boil their water. Their children and their old people are doing much, much better health. Water Missions International also teaches them, trains them concerning hygiene. There are people that have to run the water purification thing. They have a little job that comes out of that. And then also part of the stipulation for them to even go in and do this. They agree with the uh, community leaders that they have access and they go on several occasions throughout the year. They get into every home or little hut or whatever it would be to share the real water of life, Jesus. And they share with every home several times throughout the year. Now. We can do things local and we can do things global and we're not equipped to do all those things. But through organizations, you can hook up and you can do things like that. Now, I've got to hurry here, but this is so important. In First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19, teach those who are rich in this world. Teach. It also in the, in the Greek means command. Why do you have to teach and command people something? Because it's not intuitive to them. You've got to tell them. Here's why. Because we get confused. Anything you put into our hands, guess what? We think it's ours. That's why some people should not test drive cars. <laughs> you know, but put something in our hands. It's our nature. We, we tend to get confused about it. and goes, mine. And we want more and we want all the accessories that go with it. And that's why you just need to be very, very careful. But it says this, teach, command those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them, and I'm telling you, tell them to use their money to do good. That they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future. So that they may experience true life. And it says that we're to command those of you that are rich in the world. I read you the statistics earlier. Listen to me. In this world... You're rich. And I know we're in Ocala and all of that, but stop the mealy mouth stuff. And you know what? Why don't we call an end to this recession and start cooperating with God so that his blessing could come into our life. No matter what's going on anywhere else. God's supernaturally able to do that. And stop watching all the numbers and this and that and complaining and, 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 and stop talking ugly about our hope for our own community. Make sure that we're speaking good things. And to those of you that would be among us that might, would be poor, listen to me. You are loved and you are accepted, but I want you to, to get unstuck. And you say, well, we've, we've been poor for generations. Great grandpa and, and grandpa and dad and us and I assume just our kids. You know, what? you need to break that mindset. You need to break that spirit of poverty off of your life and off of your mind and out of your house and get unstuck. And you need to, listen, you need to ask for help and you need to work hard and you need to seek after God and say, God, how can I move on from this? And it'll help you to do it. I heard Bishop T.D. Jake say recently, he said, we need to train ourselves and train our children that there's a whole lot more world beyond that corner. Let's not just go to the corner. Let's realize that there's plenty of life to live out there and plenty that can learn that you can learn and your life can change. You're not destined, you're not bound to stay in that situation. And I do not, I do not subscribe to uh, the, the gospel that some would preach that everybody's to be a millionaire and everybody's going to be rich if you just sign the line and send $500 to Christian television. I, I don't buy into that. But I do know from reading the word of God that there are blessings on the lives of people who have a heart after God and have a, a heart to do the things that God wants done. There will be blessings in that life. And if you're poor, you know what? You say, I've been poor, but I'm not going to be poor no more. And get some help and seek after God. And most of all, break that mindset. Stop being stuck. Stop seeing yourself that way. Want and desire to be blessed so that you can be a blessing. The greatest joy on this earth is for God to do something through you, not just for you. And so for all of us, all of us. You have a responsibility to be blessed so that you can be a blessing. All of us. There's some business owners here. You need to start, stop thinking just about what my profit margin is and start thinking, what can I do for the kingdom of God? I believe that in these days, God's going to raise up some paymasters, people with the right hearts. He knows who he can trust. He'll put some things in their hands because he knows he will use them in the right way. Well, excuse me for preaching. All right. Let me finish this up. Jesus came to his disciples in Matthew 25. And he said, guys, gather around. He said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink and and I was naked and you, you gave me clothes. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in and you entertained me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And they're looking at each other and they go, Lord, when were you hungry? When were you thirsty? When, when did this happen? And I think he drew them in. And he said, "Inasmuch as as you've done it to the least of these, you did it to me. Hold on. And while he had their attention, he said, and then I was hungry and you didn't feed me. And I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. And I was naked and you didn't clothe me. And I was a stranger and you ignored me. I was sick and you didn't come to me and I was in prison. You didn't visit. And they go, when, when was that? And he said, in as much as you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. Hear me. This is so in the center of the heart of God that when you and I will do something for the poor, local and global in good and effective ways and have a right heart, Jesus will meet you there. Jesus will meet you there. Real ministry takes place when you'll help somebody who could never repay you, who could never return the favor. There's nothing in it for you. That's real ministry. And when we'll involve ourselves in real ministry, listen to me. Jesus will meet you there. Let me take it a little bit further. What if you can't do anything? What if you don't have anything? It should still wreck you. On the inside of you, you should see needs on the television or what's going on in other parts of the world and down the street. And as you drive to work and things you drive past all the time, it should bother you. You should should say, even though you can't do anything, I wish I could do something. It should bother you. On the inside, it should be, this is not Okay. And I'm going to tell you something, when that's your heart, Jesus will meet you there. The other day, Alicia and I and two of our kids, we were in Tampa. We went down to Tampa to do some things and to pick some things up. And we're at an intersection, a busy intersection at Dale Mabry. And I don't know the side and waters busy area in Tampa. And coming across the intersection, a lady pushing a, a buggy. And she was so dirty and so matted. And it was almost overdone to the place that it almost looked like, you know, for a movie or something. And there were a lot of issues there. You could tell there's some other issues going on as well. And we had been singing and talking and everything else. And I suddenly noticed we were all quiet. And I don't know if Felicia said it on this occasion, but she says this a lot of times when we see a situation like this. She goes, that's somebody's little girl. And you know what? It just wrecked me. And although we had a wonderful day and we actually went and bought some things we needed and even bought some things. You ready for this? That we wanted. All day long, I couldn't get away. (laughs) Yeah, I can enjoy those things, but you know what? I couldn't do something I couldn't do something for her. And you know what? That's got to be in our heart. This is not okay. And see, it's the heart of God. It's important to God. And if it's important to God, it's important to us. And let me just wrap up with this. Pastor John, if you'll come, let me just wrap up with this. That even if you don't have to give right now or to help right now, if always in your heart, it will bother you. We're never excused. We are never excused from this problem of the poor. I do believe this, that someday soon God will put something in your hand. So that you can be a blessing. He knows who he can trust. At the very minimum, and it's huge. Let our hearts feel what God's heart feels. And we are the body of Christ. We are his hands and feet in the world. Can we fix it all? No, but be led by his spirit. Hook up with good organizations, starting with your own church and let's give and let's do and let's go and let's serve and let's pray and let's think and let's be his hands and feet and let's reach out. We have a mandate church, the Lord high and lifted up the church growing, maturing, becoming dedicated, devoted followers of Jesus. We've got a world to reach. We've got to take Christ into culture. We've got to be salt. We've got to be light and we've got to be sugar. We also have this huge issue of the poor local and global we can't do it all but we will keep our hearts right and we'll do whatever god gives us to do that is our mandate did you get anything at all out of this this morning